Hello, and welcome to the Health Trip Podcast with me, Jill Foos. I'm a functional medicine and integrative nutrition health coach located in downtown Chicago, and I'm the founder of Jill Foos Wellness, a private concierge health coaching business where I work with individuals, groups, and corporations diving deep into helping folks discover their own unique health equation to optimize their wellness. Join me and my guests as we venture down intriguing science-packed roads, debunking old medical paradigms, perusing new innovative therapies, modalities and protocols while living our best life. On today's podcast, I welcome my friend and master private chef, Mila Furman. From a very young age, Mila knew she wanted to be a chef. She attended the Kendall College in Chicago, one of the top five culinary schools in the U.S., where she received her bachelor's from the Culinary and Hospitality School. After working in several restaurants, she's ventured out and opened up her private chef business called Girl in the Kitchen. Besides being a talented private chef, Mila also runs a full-service boutique catering business, a food blog, and has appeared on the Food Network competition called Supermarket Stakeout, and I did see that by the way, CBS, ABC, Fox News, and countless other publications and channels showcasing her amazing recipes and cooking tips. What I respect most about Mila is her deep knowledge of healthy cooking, figuring out an individual's macronutrients and needs, and how to prepare recipes using the cleanest, healthiest ingredients for her clients. She lives in the suburbs of Chicago with her husband and her daughter and son, and she has a great following on social media and such fun stories and information to watch. So welcome, Mila. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Joe. I'm happy to be here. Me too. I'm really excited to talk about meal prepping, which is the topic for today's podcast. But before we dive into that, I do want to just give a little bit of a medical disclaimer that we are not doctors. And so any information you hear here, and hopefully you have some nice nuggets to take away, absolutely have a conversation with your primary care physician. If something like this, changing some kind of dietary um, style or adding in different types of nutrition is something that is good for you. So all, you always want to check in with your doc. All right. So today we're talking about all things healthy meal prepping. So I found out some really inter interesting information on the internet. So meal prepping has been around for over 20 years. And if you Google the term meal prep, it first started showing up in 2013. Since then, it's become more and more popular as a way to enhance someone's health journey, save money and time, and add in a variety of fresh ingredients to someone's busy week. The first at-home meal prep kit was developed in Sweden in 2007. And since then, the meal kit industry has grown to be a multi-billion dollar business, which is mind-blowing to me. There's now over 150 meal kit companies in the U.S. and hundreds more overseas. In 2017, there was an observational study done in France that looked at 40,000 adults and found that people who meal prepped at least a few days at a time were less likely to be overweight and stuck more closely to their nutritional guidelines. And this morning on a clubhouse meeting for health coaches, one of the moderators shared with me that over 50 million people are now suffering from type two diabetes in the United States. It's just, that's another mind blowing fact to me because we know that type two diabetes is brought on by a poor diet and lifestyle and can be completely reversed. Americans are busy, busy people and we all have a hard time slowing down, making sure that we're incorporating self-care practices such as feeding ourselves and our family healthy, nutrient-dense meals. 
This is crazy. The snack food production industry will bring in $45.8 billion in 2021 and is estimated to grow another 4.3% this year. Snacks are formulated to wire us to crave sugar and salt all day, and it's not the healthy mineral-rich salt that we need. Our brains are literally being hijacked every day by these huge food manufacturers. So as a health coach, I absolutely love the idea of meal prepping. However, before you dive into meal prepping, there are some really important things to know and how to keep it clean and healthy. And that's why I have Mila here. She is just an amazing professional recipe builder um, and caterer and has some amazing cooking tips for the at-home cook. So Mila, thank you again. And before we talk about meal prepping, I, I wanna know a little bit of backstory about you, um, how you came to jump on this journey, this, excuse me, this journey of being a private chef and creating your boutique catering company? So I think that it was, it was really, really instilled in me to eat healthily um, since I was a kid. I mean, my parents were, East, you know, I, I, was, I was born here. I was born in Moldova, which is a former USSR. And um, Jill, hang on one second. I'm sorry, I can't talk. Just call Mark, it's fine. I'm so sorry. That's I'm okay. going to start again. Um, so I was born in the former USSR. I was born in Moldova. And I, I think because of the way that I was raised, I basically always ate seasonal, right? So like there was no, you can't have a tomato in January. Like that doesn't exist. And I kind of grew up knowing that. But also I should say I was the worst eater ever as a kid. Like I was horrible. I ate like Jewish chicken soup every day all the time with me, with the skin on, um, which I know you're a huge fan of. And oh, yeah. uh, uh, that was it. And so I always knew that going to culinary school was kind of inevitable. I fought it for a really long time. Lost my mom when I was uh, 19 and her dying wish literally was for me to go to culinary school. I went to culinary school, loved it. It was easily the best and the most difficult thing I've ever done. Um, I graduated a culinary degree, like you said, and also a restaurant hospitality management degree. And so I actually did not do culinary for a really long time. I did front of the house. So I did a lot of uh, management. I did a lot of event sales, event organizing. I was an event planner for many years and that's what I wanted to do. And then my um, emotional string started pulling at me and I just really wanted to just talk about food, write about food and create food. I started a silly little blog in 2007. It was called Kiss. Um, no intentions of going big. Just wanted to share stories that really were close to my heart and food. Um, and it was mostly the food that my mom and my grandma made when I was a kid. And then fast forward to when I was pregnant with my, or rather I just had my first, I started Girl in the Kitchen, the blog, with again, just an intention of, you know what? I think I could do something cool with this. Like my goal was to use my blog as a stepping stone to build a way bigger career while being in a corporate world, nine to five job. Um, I got pregnant with my second baby in 2017 and said, screw this. I never want to work for anybody again. And I just decided to be a full-time blogger. Private chefing was never on the horizon. I would do catering parties here and there um, as requests. I'm, because I'm Russian, I developed a pretty big following already locally. And so they'd always ask me, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. It just, you know, wasn't there. And then I remember May of 2017, I was on my own for five months at that point. And my husband, and somebody came up to me and said, listen, we want you to meal prep. I have twins um, and uh, two other kids. And by the way, I have one on the way. So I have a family of five and I need a meal prep. 
And I told my husband, I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be somebody's like slave. He's like, what are you nuts? He's like, you watch the housewives of every county. They all have a private chef. He's like, that's what you're going to be. So my husband sold me on the idea by basically convincing me <laughs> that I'll be servicing the housewives of Beverly Hills. Um, and I started with one client May 1st, and by Memorial Day at seven, I was five months pregnant. And I just started growing and, you know, uh, cooking wholesome meals. It was never like a low carb thing or a carnivore thing or a vegan thing, right? I just want, I just wanted to feed people the way I fed my family and the way my mom fed us. And right. that was, you cook once or twice a week and you're good for the week. And for me, that's meal prep. I think people have the idea of meal prep as like these individual little containers. And for me, meal right. prep is just prepping your meals for the week, whether it's family style or individual, it doesn't matter, right? Right. And it was actually really interesting because that kind of mentality is very prevalent in Europeans and in um, Russians and like in a lot of other cultures. But in American culture, the thought of not having a freshly made dinner that night, every single night was very, very uh, jarring. Um, I had to convince them like sanitary issues and you know, your food's going to be fine. Your meat's going to last your veggies. If you preserve, if you cook them the right way, they're going to reheat fine. So there was definitely a learning curve for my clients, but it was really interesting because even my chefs were like, are you sure this is going to work? And I'm like, it's going to work because people are going to start seeing how easy it was. Uh, and then my wholesome lifestyle kind of started evolving in like 2018 to keto low carb. Now I've been like, you know, privy of keto low carb for years, but, um, I wasn't feeling well. I had a lot of inflammation. My joints were aching. I was 10 months postpartum still nursing. So I knew I couldn't diet a lot because every time I diet, when I nurse, I would lose all my milk. And I just said, I needed to do something. And I listened to a podcast and he convinced me to do low carb, high fat, basically keto. And I indulged. Oh, Jill, I had the best time ever. Everything had heavy cream on it. No fat was spared. Uh, chicken skin. Oh my God. Like every piece of chicken had tons of skin. Like I loved my lifestyle. But as soon as I kind of, um, the inflammation went away rather quickly, I would say within 20 to 30 days, I noticed that my joints weren't aching anymore. And you could see my face started like getting a little bit more svelte. It wasn't really losing weight. I had about 20 pounds to go and I would lose, I lost like six pounds in four months and I didn't understand what was happening. And then I slowly started understanding that I had to cut down the fat a little bit for my body type because mm -hmm. I was just overdoing it. So I cut out a lot of the heavy cream, except my morning coffee, but I still had my high fat meats, you know, um, lots of vegetables, did intermittent fasting, which worked really well. Uh, and then I slowly, I would post this on my stories and all my clients follow me. So they're like, what are you doing? I want to know about keto. I want to know what's happening. And so I slowly started teaching my clients that you don't have to be perfect, but let's start removing that pasta. Let's start removing that rice. Mm -hmm. And like the thing I would say is like, if it's coming from the ground and it's not processed, I'm okay with it. So if you want to have root veggies, if you want to have like real potatoes, not frozen, if you want to have sweet potatoes, not frozen, let's give you that, but let's minimize it to once a week. Let's give you that carb once a week. And if you want to yeah. have dessert, let's figure out a way you're going to enjoy it. Right. And so that kind of just evolved into me playing around with paleo for myself and my clients carnivore you and I have talked about carnivore many many yeah. times yeah um and just finding what works for me and I kind of try and do the same thing with my clients and if I can't figure it out you know I shoot them to you <laughs> yeah and, and and that's so 
we do share um, clients. And um, that's one of the things I really respect about you that you have your own personal experience about eating all these different ways so that you can share that style. So you, you, you get the language um, mm -hmm. when it comes to working with my clients and your own clients. So I think that's great. I also, you know, love that you said there's different ideas of meal prepping, that meal prepping is not just lining up you know, seven purple boxes, seven orange boxes and seven black boxes yes. for, you know, a whole week that, you know, I raised five kids. So I firsthand know that meal prepping looks, you know, a lot like what you're talking about, making a lot of something that's going to be useful in different ways throughout mm -hmm. the week, you know, cause with mm -hmm. five kids and going all, all over the country for hockey, you don't have time to make fresh meals all the time. So mm -hmm. you do your best and it does require thinking, planning, having the right tools, which we're going to talk about all of this stuff. And it, it's, it, you really have to be mindful about how you're preparing the food so that it can be reheated for the next day or two or whatever you want. So when you think about meal prepping, what are the most important questions to ask yourself before starting. So like in health coaching, when I get a new client, we talk about the why factor. You know, why do you want to start on this health journey? What is it? Is it, are you overweight and you need to lose weight because you can't even bend down to tie your own shoes? Are you expecting a grandchild and you can't even like walk down the driveway comfortably without huffing and puffing? You know, what is your why? Is it, is, what is it with meal prepping? So I think it's twofold, right? So I think the first question is, what do you expect to get out of this? That's very important. Um, the next question is, what are your goals? Uh, and so if they say, well, I mean, 90% of the time, Joe, the goal is weight loss, 90% of the time. And that's when I actually start the discovery process of what can you live without? And then they're like, well, I really love food. And I say, can you live without carbs? And they just kind of like, you know, I don't want, you know, I'm like, okay, but if you want to lose weight, like I'm very much like you in the sense that I am genuine and sensitive and I listen, I'm empathetic, but I'm also intense. Like if you want to lose weight, you know what you got to do, right? There's right. like, you either A, count your calories, count your macros or get rid of something. Like that's, that's it. Like a bad diet, you can never outrun a bad diet, right? So like you yeah. can do all the cardio in the world. If you eat like crap, you're going to look like crap. You're going to feel like crap. Right. And so that's kind of when I get into deciding, okay, so you want to lose weight. How do you feel about keto? I love keto. I think I can do it. Great. Let me redefine healthy keto for you. And I really try and redefine it. I have nothing against dairy, but I also tell them dairy can stall your, your uh, progress. Yeah. So that's when we start redefining. And once I kind of understand what they're going for, that's when I say to them, okay, so this is how our meal prep looks like. It comes in family style, blah, 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 this and that. And the biggest difference between what I do and between everybody else does, which is why I call us boutique, is because we are, <clears throat> excuse me, 100% custom. My clients and I have one hour FaceTimes. They used to be in person. <coughs> excuse me. And we go through what proteins do you like? What proteins don't you like? What vegetables, what spices, what herbs, what irritates you? What doesn't irritate you? Obviously allergy sensitivities. Every single one of my clients is custom. And that's exactly why I have seven different chefs because they can give that time to our clients. And I've always said, I would rather make 
less profit in the end and have the same exact custom model. So the model that I started with on day one is the same model now four years later. And that customization factor will then evolve over time, right? Again, like if they're doing keto and dairy is starting to bother them, we're going to take away that dairy, right? Or vice versa. If they're doing really well and they want to go full carnivore, we incorporate that. Or, you know, if their kids need more vegetables or like you said, right. if your kids are a ton, you've four teenagers and they're all athletes, sometimes they need that carb, you know? Absolutely. And I'm all about that as long as it's like a good healthy carb and not crappy French fries, right? Right. So then there's two, there's two types of folks here. There's the folks that want you to do the meal prepping for them and they, it's like buying a meal kit. It's just you. And then there's the other folks who want to learn how to do this on their own. So for the folks who really want to learn how to do this on their own, how do they start thinking about meal prepping? What are those steps to take? So they, they know their why they've, they have their health reasons why they're going to change the way they eat, why they want to get on board with meal prepping, but what are the next steps to take? I think if you're doing this on your own, yeah. And by the way, I have a course that teaches a home cook how to cook, like period, the end, just the basics from a, from a chef to a home cook. So I always tell them, take that step. And then the next step is, it's really, really important. Be realistic. Like, are you going to want to eat your salmon on day three? Because I don't want to eat salmon on day three. I want to eat salmon only on day one. Okay, that's me. Right. Are you going to want to eat broccoli for seven days? Or do you need to make three separate veg for yourself? Are you going to want to roast that broccoli, even though it's cut up? Are you going to want to roast that broccoli at the end of a crazy work day when you've been on Zoom calls all day and your kids are driving you crazy and all you want to do is have a burger? Are you going to want to warm up, you know, not even warm, just roast that broccoli? What are the things that you're going to have to do to make you successful? And so for me, it's always really easy. I always go for whatever protein I have in the kitchen with whatever green. Sometimes I don't even do a green. I do protein on protein crime all the time. I do a chicken thigh with a boiled egg and call it a day many times out of the week. I say that in addition to that, I find, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, I find when I'm trying to be just like really good and clean and like when I'm trying to slim down, simplicity for me wins every time, every single time. Um, the com the funniest thing is whenever anybody asks me, well, what did you have for dinner? And I tell them, they're like, well, that's not anything exciting. And I'm like, yeah, I, this is my job. Like I cook all day. When I come home, I throw a piece of salmon in the oven with a little bit of soy sauce, some lemon juice and some garlic powder. And then I do whatever green vegetable on the side. And that's what the whole family eats, including my three and a half year old and my eight year old and my husband. Right. That's right. what we eat. And 90% of the time, especially now in Chicago, it's grilling time, right? So like right now, my husband has barbecue ribs on the smoker, which is for dinner tonight. Last night we had ribeyes um, with a salad. And so every single night it's something different, but it's that same idea. It's protein and a vegetable protein. Don't freaking complicate it. I say that. Right, but, but so but what I'm referring to are the people at home who want to cook and put it in their containers or have it in a bulk container. Yep. Are there, let's talk about meats because you're talking about animal protein. And salmon is a great um, place to start because nobody wants to eat fish two or three days out. 
right? So let's yeah. say someone's at, you know, there's a guy at home right now listening and he really wants to, you know, become more healthy and be more prepared and, and have these meal prep options for him. Is the first step figuring out which proteins and how much protein he's going to need for the week, the grocery, the grocery store list? Is it the recipes? So break down how long proteins last when they're cooked. And if you want a variety, what's the best way to go about that? I love that question. Okay. So here's what I would say. Let's say there's this guy who wants salmon, right? First thing is first, I would say they need to talk to somebody like you, or they need to figure out what their macros are just from a very basic thing. Like just so you, if you've never meal prepped, you really don't know what portion sizes are. Let's be honest. Cause it's one right. of the other obesity issues in America, right? Yeah. portion sizes are extravagant. So like when it comes to fish or lean or even lean proteins, a guy can have like seven to eight ounces of protein easily. Right. I mean, that's more. a given. Yeah. Right. Easily. So when you're doing something like that, I would say, okay, so sit down on your Saturday or your Friday. Okay. Sit down on Friday, plan out what you want to do. And if you're really struggling with planning, go on Pinterest and you literally type in keto proteins and you're going to have 90 different 90 million yeah. different selections right so start planning your menu and like you said well what if i don't want to eat the salmon i cooked on monday on wednesday so what you do is you marinate your salmon okay so simple like i said soy sauce lemon juice olive oil garlic powder boom marinate the portions and freeze the portions that you want to eat thursday or friday freeze it and then you could either throw it on the grill. Now, again, we're being super simple. You can also make every single piece of salmon a different flavor. I'm trying to go the no, simplest route No, let's keep possible. it really simple. Yeah. Yeah. So you would then basically end up seasoning it, saving yourself the Monday salmon that you're going to cook the next day. Because I always say your seafood is going to take 10 minutes on broil or on a high convection oven to cook, right? Everybody has that time to throw it in the oven. Everybody does, especially if you're doing it in Pirates, if you're doing your meal prep in Pirates. Um, and then after that, figure out your veggies. Okay, what are the five veggies I'm going to eat this week? I'm going to do, I'm going to make myself a salad on Monday. On Tuesday, I'm going to do broccoli. On Wednesday, I'm going to do cauliflower. On Thursday, I'm going to do these awesome uh, frozen grilled vegetables from Trader Joe's. And on Friday, I'm going to do a big, big, big frittata of everything I've left over. Hmm. And so when you do that, I always say that Fridays and Saturday, Fridays, dinners are for leftovers and Saturday mornings are for brunches, right? Hmm. And right. I see no shame in the game, by the way, with the frittata being for dinner, because it's like the best way to Love use it. it. Yeah, it's like the yeah. best way to use everything up. And so it kind of brings me back to what I was saying before, plan your meals, but especially in the very beginning, truly simple is key because then you're not going to get overwhelmed. And the reason that everybody quits meal prepping is because they get overwhelmed and or bored, right? So if you constantly keep things in rotation and if you can't eat broccoli and salmon every single week, that's okay. Change things up around, have some halibut, have some swordfish, have some mahi-mahi tacos. Wait, I want to ask a question. When you said to freeze, so let's say someone goes to Costco and they buy one yep. of those huge wild-caught pieces of salmon, yep. right? They can yep. cut it into the portion sizes that they need yep. and then they marinate it, freeze it. And then at what point do they take it out of the freezer when they know they want to have it 
like, let's say they do all that prepping on Sunday, but Wednesday they want to have it. When do they need to take that salmon out? So you want to take it out Tuesday night. Okay. So you really have to be organized here. You do. That's what I'm saying. So either you're okay with being super simple. And I think the other thing that I will tell you is that while salmon is super, um, it lends itself to varieties. Not everybody wants to eat fish that often, right? So I always say have grilled chicken thighs or grilled chicken breast as part of your menu item all the time and in your freezer marinated. Mm. There's lots of proteins that lend themselves really well to being frozen and marinated, um, almost any steak. So Mm -hmm. right now in my freezer, I have plank steak that's marinated and skirt steak that's marinated. And all I have to do is defrost it and throw it on the grill, right? Uh, Same with chicken breast, same with chicken thighs. Those bone-in, boneless, doesn't matter. They lend themselves really, really well to being marinated and frozen. And if you freeze them all, you're not going to have to worry about freezer burn. And so when you have things like that, you're always going to be prepared. Even like, let's say you're going out of town for the weekend. Let's say you're leaving Thursday, you're coming back Sunday, and all of a sudden you're like, crap, I forgot to meal prep. Crap. So you know in your freezer, you have chicken breast, you have chicken thighs, you have steak. So all you have to do is just, you know, put any vegetable on the plate, so I, I, tomatoes and cucumbers. I really like this idea. You're not just thinking about meal prepping for each day of the week, but for emergency situations. For rainy days. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I absolutely, I love that. So my, my two of my boys, they're all athletes, but two of my boys really took to meal prepping years ago when they were in high school. And one of the older ones taught the youngest one and they would do sheet pans and I, they didn't want any advice from me, right? They went online, they went, they YouTubed all these athletic they trainers. They interested everything. Totally, right? And they figured it out on their own and they would do sh- huge sheet pans of chicken breasts, um, tons of broccoli, sweet potatoes. So their idea was cooking everything first Mm-hmm. and putting it in their containers, mm-hmm. right? Like what we really think about meal prepping and they'd stack it up in the fridge mm-hmm. and they would have, mm-hmm. you know, lunches and dinners every night for like five nights. But I got to tell you by night four, I'd see them eating their chicken and they'd be like, oh mom, what are you making for dinner? You know, like, yeah, it's, it's true right. because you get sick of it. And especially let's be, and it dries here, out. Yes. Yeah. Plain chicken breast is not only boring, but yeah, dry. Yeah. Oh, that's the other thing I will tell you, like one little cooking tip. If you're cooking, like, let's say you're doing what your sons were doing and you're cooking everything, right? Cook your protein to three quarters of the way. So if your chicken has to be done at 160, 165 degrees, mm-hmm. cook it to like 130. Okay. Because mm-hmm. then when you're warming it up, you're not killing it. And, and that's best, what is the best way to reheat something up like that in the oven or on the pan? Yeah. The other thing that I'll tell you, like really, really, really good tip. Not that the no, microwave, not the microwave <laughs> okay. air fryers. Air fryers are fantastic ah. for reheating. We never had an air fryer until my husband bought a gift for somebody. And then he's like, why don't we have an air fryer? And I'm like, we have a convection oven. I don't need an air fryer. Long story short, he won. I have an air fryer. And we use it to reheat everything That's except a great food. idea. That's a everything. great idea. Because you think about it, an air fryer, guys, for those of you that don't know, this isn't a magic like appliance. An air fryer is a mini convection oven. That's it. 
So it's great for like apartments. It's great for singles. Oh my God. And by the way, you can get a really great one at Costco. It's 50 bucks. I just bought it to have for my car in case I go to an event that an oven doesn't work or something. Hmm. And it's fantastic. It's 50 bucks. It worked great. It looks like a little spaceship. It's super cute. And I will tell you the biggest, biggest, biggest thing that I can tell anybody is always make extra and stick it in the freezer. Always, no matter what you do, whether you're making meatballs, whether you're making soup, you will always utilize it. I still do that because I love cooking in bulk. It's just, it, it, just the way my mom did it. And it kind of like translated into my career. So when you cook in bulk, you just take one quarter of it and throw it in the freezer for a rainy day. Before you know it, you have an entire freezer stash for again, those Friday nights, you're like, oh crap, I don't want to have that chicken again. It's gross. Right. Right. And then you pull out like, oh, I buffalo chicken meatballs tonight. Yay. Right. So it's like, just be smart about what you're doing and, and don't overthink it, but just plan it. I got to tell you, I, all my five kids are out of the house, right? And for me to go from feeding a small army to just myself, I get excited to feed my dogs because they're the only ones I have left to feed, right? But I still make a lot of food at a time and throw it in the freezer for myself. And it's, it's great on a long day or a day where I'm just tired, don't feel like cooking. It's amazing to have that option just waiting for me with all mm-hmm. that freshness. But I want to mm-hmm. tell, I want to talk about for the viewers or for the listeners in terms of if they were to cook all of their meat, chicken or whatever protein they have, if they were to cook that fully, how long will those last in the fridge? If someone just does that really simple, basic meal prepping, they cook everything, throw it in the fridge. Do we need to be concerned about mold issues on the food? All right, here's the deal. This is my non-sanitary advice, but if it smells fine, it is fine. I mean, 90% of the time, unless it's salmonella, which by the way, salmonella, like you don't know if your food has it. Okay, like that's kind of, or like E. coli. You just don't know if your food has it. So my whole thing is, I mean, I've had proteins in the fridge for 10 days, like, it sounds crazy, but I have, and they were fine. Um, would I eat them? Probably. It just happened that they were there and I didn't die when I ate them. They didn't taste as good, but I didn't die. It wasn't like unhealthy. I would say for the average person, you should really just count on four to seven days max fish and seafood have a way shorter shelf life, not only in the terms of sanitary, but also in terms of like, you don't want to eat like seven day old fish it just doesn't it doesn't have the same taste and that's why I always say the other can I I'll just give your like listeners a really good tip if you want like a gadget that really helps the sous vide machines which people Mm. are either all about or they know nothing about so sous vide cooking I'm not going to tell you guys the real thing you can google it but sous vide cooking is in vacuum cooking it's what high-end restaurants used to do for years and now it is in a the commercial setting has been brought to the home cook it's a little wand you put your mar- you put your food that you marinate in a Ziploc or a um, vacuum seal bag. You put it in water. You put the little wand in it. You set the perfect temperature and your meat will never be overcooked. I personally love it for seafood more than meat even. Um, and it's a great way to like make sure your chicken is perfectly, your chicken breast is perfectly, perfectly moist. So It'll you, never overcook. Are you saying when you cook with a sous vide style that helps your meat last longer in the fridge? No, it helps. It preserves your food, your 
quality of your food and it doesn't, it'll never overcook it. That's the thing. Mm. So I find the biggest thing, Jill, that everybody tells me is why is your chicken breast so delicious? They say to me, Mm. I'm like, I don't know. Like I grilled it and I marinated it. It's just balsamic on it, for instance. Right. Like, no, there's something, it's really juicy. I'm like, oh, you mean I didn't overcook it? Cause I don't take it out at 185 degrees. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's something really important. So people who are afraid of overcooking their proteins, number one, either get a meat probe mm-hmm. and like cook with a meat thermometer until you really understand there's no shame in that game, by the way, mm-hmm. or get a sous vide. And seriously, it's, it's worth its weight in gold if you know how to use it. And if your listeners want to DM me for tips, feel free. I'm happy to chat about yeah, that's a great idea. Long. That's a great idea. How important are the containers we store our meal prepped food in, you know, there's so many serious health issues because of environmental toxins. And when we Mm -hmm. put hot food in plastic containers, all of those chemicals are leaching into your awesome, beautiful food that you just made. And now they're going to end up in your gut and then in your bloodstream and cause a lot of disruption in, in your endocrine system, which is your hormones. It's interesting you say that because I didn't think about that for like a really long time. I thought like hippie dippies were just talking about that, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I think as I kind of evolved my, my personal health journey, I'm like, well, maybe this stuff's important and glass looks better in the fridge anyhow. Mm-hmm. So I personally do store, I would say 90% of my stuff in glass. However, if I do store it in plastic, it never goes in there hot. I, it, that's like not an, in um, a green thing. That's just like something I've never done. And I will, you don't warm up in plastic, like period the end. You just should never heat up in plastic, especially if you're doing the microwave. If you must don't heat up in plastic, right? Mm-hmm. right. Um, it, for our, as a company, we offer our clients the ability to get glass containers. Like they can, we buy two sets of glass containers. And when we drop off their food, we can pick up the containers. Mm. Um, when we were cooking in-house at clients pre-COVID, we were able to use their own containers. So we didn't mm-hmm. need to use plastic. Um, and I, I encourage them, but if they don't want to, and they want a convenience factor, I just say, we don't encourage our clients to heat up their food in the microwave either way. So if right. we don't encourage that, it automatically is a given that please, you know, don't, don't warm up plastic. Like let's Absolutely. just get away from that. Right. I mean, there's other options you can get as far as storage goes, you can get those little steel containers, which are super yes. cool too, right? There's the yes. glass and then there's ceramics and there's bamboo, mm-hmm. which are yeah. all sustainable um, uh, materials. So I like right. those ideas. What types of costs are we looking at? Like what, what should someone be spending when they're meal prepping for, let's say Monday through Friday, you know, for so those- when they're doing, when they're doing it on their own, you're saying, right? Yes. Um, so it really depends. It depends, meaning how many varieties are you doing and how high end are your proteins? Cause we all know that's where your costs are, right? If you have grass fed meats and organic everything and wild fish and what I always say is put your money as far as it'll take you so if you can't afford grass-fed but you're already eating better than everybody else then mm-hmm. that's where your money is going to take you and that's okay yeah. like that's totally. not a bad thing yeah. you know I think that's like really really important because a lot of carnivores 
are like grass fed everything and we right. only need wild game and like but not everybody has access or can afford that absolutely so take do as much as your money can take you i think taste wise just so you guys know the biggest thing is like i like really high quality eggs like vital farms is really good and then there's a brand called happy eggs but i just got those the blue ones not the yellow ones yeah they're delicious the amber yolks oh yes. my god if delicious. you guys can get your oh they're amazing so i would say you're looking anywhere between for a single person like between 100 to 120 bucks i mean honestly it's it's for not that monday much. through friday Monday through Friday, because if you're, if you're a woman, if you're a man, I would probably say you're going to be a little higher because you're going to be like closer to 150 to 200. But if you're really right. smart about it, if you do your planning and you buy in bulk, you buy at Costco, you buy all your salmon at Costco, you buy all your skirt steak or all your ribeyes. Costco's or your, great. They've got super high quality, tons of organic and sustainable grass options. fed. They have grass yeah. fed beef. They have grass fed mm -hmm. bison, which we love. We love bison even more. Um, so I would say you need to think of it in a very different way, right? And like, you can walk into that giant cooler in Costco and get all your veggies, like right there right. and get all your berries right there. And so, right. and by the way, there's no shame in frozen vegetables either. I use frozen vegetables all the time. Agreed. The only caveat, the only caveat is I would say like, if you're roasting frozen vegetables, you're just right. not going to get that crispness, but like my creamy cauliflower I make out of frozen cut up cauliflower like I would say for the average person who wants to meal prep your biggest asset to your health is going to be gaining time and spending time right so mm -hmm. like it sounds kind of silly but yes you're going to be putting in that time to meal prep but think about how much time you're saving of like oh shoot what are we going to eat today where are we going for dinner what are we doing this and also once you've done this once or twice, you realize what the shortcuts are, right? So like, if you're going to have, let's say, I don't know, steak fajitas one night. So you realize you can get those sliced up peppers frozen in Trader Joe's for like a buck or a buck 50, something like that. Right. Right. You realize these little shortcuts and you realize, yeah. okay, so it's not going to affect the flavor. It's not going to affect like the cost in a, right. in a negative way, right. but it's going to save me time. And a lot of grocery stores also have cut up veggies, which take him you know uh trader joe's and whole foods have the little you know the cute little baby carrots like the long yeah. ones yeah and they're already peeled and they're so tender and just saute them in a little bit of butter and they're delicious like take that and right. go with it you know take all the shortcuts you can that aren't going to um ruin your food or aren't going to like compromise the quality of your food right. i would or, say or that number health. one right or a hundred percent or your house yeah. of course that goes be yeah and and be creative um you can use lots of sauces i would say don't buy store-bought sauces unless you know what's on that label i mean jill jill you and i talk about this all the time the biggest like hidden killer is the oils right absolutely like, all those rancid seed oils yes that causes you so as much inflammation as dairy if not worse right. it's like that hidden silent killer right so i always just tell my clients that a balsamic and soy vinaigrette is going to take you so much farther than any of those crappy gluten and sugar loaded sauces at the grocery store. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, if this, you have to make a commitment to your health and mm -hmm. if, if this is part of the journey, it might be a struggle the first few weeks, just mm -hmm. getting your feet wet, figuring out all the shortcuts, like you're saying, 
figuring out what recipes are easy for you to make, figuring out what lasts the longest in the fridge, what you're enjoying the most, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it just, you have to be committed and you have to be patient for yourself to be on this journey and make these changes because it's not easy. It's really not easy. You have to be prepared. You have to plan. You have to think. You have to be mindful, all these things. But at the end of the day, you are... um, always going to be ahead of the game by not eating in restaurants that saute and cook everything in rancid seed oils. What are the top three foods or ingredients that everyone should have in their meal prepping rotation? Oh, this is tough. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Number one, a really good olive oil. That's going to take you really far. Um, by the way, guys, really good olive oils don't have to be expensive, but you need to look on the back because sometimes you'll see like an olive oil that's for sale for like $6.99 and you look below and the fine print says mixed with safflower oil, canola yep. oil, like, you know, grapeseed yep. oil. You don't want that. Like, mm-hmm. no, none of that. Um, a really, really good olive oil. Lots of lemons. I'm known as the lemon queen and uh, garlic. And I think just that. Just that you can marinate literally everything in that. Yeah, those are great, great options. I got a question about the olive oil though. So for olive oil, is there an olive oil you should cook with and then then another olive oil you should keep for just finishing? Finishing by meaning, yeah, like, so for those of the listeners, yeah. For exactly, it's just a drizzle on your roasted veggies or a drizzle on your fish, whatever it is, but it's it's not cooked. I knew you were gonna say that. Okay, so here's the deal. <laughs> because this is such a big question, I knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. So the reason that this is kind of a gray area is because as we know, once you heat up olive oil or any oil to any point, you basically break the smoke point. Right. And by doing that, allegedly, there's toxins and it's not good for you and it's carcinogenic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. I believe in that in one, in some scenarios. So in terms of finishing oils, what Jill is talking about is those like really delicious, fruity, fragrant olive oils, like the ones that you see like drizzled on top of soups, or you see like, uh, even like what you're dipping your bread into in an Italian restaurant, it has to be Mm -hmm. like one of those bright green olive oils. Right. So I leave those for drizzling and finishing only because they have a really, really intense flavor. Um, and you kind of don't want that, but you want to use like an everyday olive oil. Here's what I'm going to say. The Mediterranean has been using olive oil for everything, including frying for centuries. And they have a lot of centurions. And so I say they're okay with it. I'm okay with it. But Mm -hmm. if you want to be safe, Use an avocado oil. Coconut oil is going to give you way too much flavor. So if you want to be safe and you want to go neutral, use an avocado oil. Olive oils are good for like sauteing, pan frying. If you're going to be like searing or doing anything on a super, super high heat, I would switch to ghee, which is clarified butter, mm-hmm. uh, avocado oil, or um, coconut animal oil. Fat. Those or are, animal fats like lard. Or, or tallow or lard. Yeah, yes, exactly. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. All right. And we, before we end, what are your top three favorite recipes for meal prepping? Mm. And by the way, folks, I am in the show notes while you're thinking about that Mila in the show notes, I will list all of Mila's 
uh, information where you can see her recipes and her, do you have a YouTube? I do a YouTube, but I'm more active on Instagram and TikTok. Okay. Actually. Yeah, we'll put everything <laughs> on there. So what are your three top favorite recipes? And they can be your recipes too. Okay. Um, so I have this really incredible skirt steak marinade, but it could be any marinade and I call it the trifecta. So it's a balsamic soy and Dijon. That's like your trifecta. Mm. And then you could add anything to it. And so the cool thing is the reason I love this and I teach this recipe is because you can change the ethnicity of the recipe, depending on which ingredient you add more of, right? So like if you add more soy, it's going to be kind of an Asian inspired. If you add more balsamic, it's going to be like a Mediterranean inspired. And why do I, why I love that trifecta as a base is because it creates that ideal umami flavor that, that like mm. when you eat it, like, like your tongue salivates, yeah. you know, and that combination is that magic combo between balsamic soy and Dijon. Mm. So, and you can add anything else to it, but just do that. And I promise mm -hmm. it's like the best. I just did it today. Add some bourbon to it. It's good too. Yeah. Um, my second one, this is going to sound so silly, but it's like, I make this wood plank salmon and it's the easiest thing in the world. And so obviously I soak the wood, blah, blah, blah. And then I just take salmon and I put a ton of soy sauce on it, a ton of lemon juice, lemon zest, really good garlic powder. And the reason I use garlic powder is because I broil my salmon at the end and I don't want that garlic to burn. Mm. Um, and I then slice lemons and just put it right on top because I want them to char because it's just gorgeous. Yeah. And that's it. And the most important ingredient is time. Like if you're roasting at like 450, 475, you don't go over 12 minutes. Mm -hmm. That's really like, that's your cutoff time. Um, the third one is probably... Oh God, what's my favorite thing to know? I make these cilantro lime shrimp um, and I just, and I sous vide them and I make like giant prawns um, and I just sous vide them. And it's a ton of cilantro, lime zest, lime juice, olive oil, cumin. Um, sometimes I put cardamom seeds in there and it's just like a pop of flavor. And of course, butter, I mean, duh. I sous vide it in that and I don't even finish it on the stove, on the, um, on the skillet. I have my clients finished it really quickly just to flash fry it. Mm. And that's it. And it's super, super delicious. And the best part is you can eat it on its own. You can eat it in a taco. Like either you're doing like a mm -hmm. cassava tortilla or like a lettuce wrap tortilla, super, super versatile and freezer friendly before you cook it as well. So yeah, I was going to ask like you when you're sous vide, can you, um, prepare everything and throw these packets of the prepared shrimp in your freezer. And then when you're ready, just take it out the night before. You can. My only thing is what I would do is if you're going to plan on sous vide cooking, then what you do is you prepare everything. You Again, same idea. You marinate everything and then you throw it in your freezer. And when you go to sous vide it, your sous vide can run all day because majority of them run on an app on your phone. Mm -hmm. and you can set it and leave. Mm. And so it asks you if your food is fresh or frozen because it'll adjust that time. And even if let's say like your shrimp is frozen, so it's going to take, I don't even remember, like 60 to 90 minutes, let's just say, and you leave it for seven hours, nothing's going to happen to it. That's the cool thing. It'll just stay at that perfect temperature yeah. the whole time. 
Yeah. Though more water is going to come out of it, but it's not going to affect the flavor or the texture, which is the most important thing anyhow. I have to say that kitchen gadgets these days are so primed for meal prepping with Mm -hmm. all of the apps on your phone. It's just Mm -hmm. so much easier than it was you know, three to five years ago. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. We, we all want to save money. We all want to save time and we all want to live really healthy lives. And this has been such a great conversation about meal prepping. I know so many people would probably rather have you do it for them. <laughs> I know I would, but cooking's fun and prepping is fun. And there's something very, mm-hmm. um, very relaxing about it. You know, some people like folding laundry. I like prepping food and once Same. you get once you get over the hump of the newness and it being a little bit of a struggle in the beginning, you sort of just slide into this mindfulness space. It grew totally, and it's it's really lovely. And making the food for yourself is great. Feeding your friends when they come over, your family, this healthy prepped food is amazing. So I hope everybody out there got some nuggets to take away. I will have this up on YouTube and on my podcast um, and all the details of in the notes will have Mila's contact information if you're interested in working with her or getting a consultation or just looking at all of her amazing recipes. I, by the way, made her famous chicken soup and I made it over Passover and there was a step in there that I texted you about. I was like, wait, what do you mean about throwing out the first run of the soup broth and then refilling the pot to cook again. And I got to say, I was scared. I was, I hesitated, but I followed your directions and it was the best freaking broth I ever had in my life. So I will tell you just like really quickly, uh, that was my, the soup is my grandma's soup, but that technique is an Asian technique. And my father-in-law did it. Who's Ukrainian. So weird, but yeah. he was the one that told me. And also like, I don't have time to like take all that skin, you know, like skim off. We call it scum in the culinary world. So like this kind of, it's the lazy way. It truly is the lazy way. And if you're also, if like any of your followers have questions about things like that or anything like that, like I always say, please don't hesitate to DM me. I absolutely love helping people. It's like my passion before cooking is helping and educating and I, Jill knows that whenever I do an Insta story, I always say, what do you guys want me to do this? And like, right. I create my, I create my social media based on what my readers want. Which so is great. I, would, I would love to, I mean, it, it works sometimes. That's what yeah. <laughs> oh, you do such a great job and your kiddos are in the kitchen cooking with you, which is great. You know, just setting the bar for kids out there to start cooking. I taught my five kids how to cook very early. I was like, no way am I going to be in this kitchen. Well, you have an seven. army, Jill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're all great cooks. They, my boys cook for their girlfriends and cook these elaborate meals. And it's just amazing what you can teach at home and then send them out into the real world and watch them just flourish and stay healthy. So Bravo. Yeah, thank you so much again for joining me today. I'm so excited for the listeners to listen to this and, and, and really get on board with meal prepping because it is just such a great way to eat. So thank you again. And until next time, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.